0: Another big opportunity and another one squandered. As many might say, is the Chip Kelly era what could have been? We'll talk about it on Locked On UCLA. You are Locked On UCLA, your daily podcast on the UCLA Bruins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome everybody to this edition of the Locked On UCLA podcast. I'm your host, Zach Anderson Yoxheimer. Thanks for making the show your first listen each and every day. It's free where we get your podcast, and it's available on YouTube. So like, comment, and subscribe, download, review. Thanks for your support. If you're an everyday or you'd have been listening all last week, what were the keys to the matchup? Can UCLA run the football? Can the defense step up? What's Dante Moore gonna look like against Utah on the road? and the Bruins couldn't run the ball more somewhat looked like a true freshman the defense stepped up overall the Bruins ended up losing 14 to 7 to Utah falling out of the top 25 heading into the bye week what does all that mean we'll recap once again give my grades analyze some things after once again looking back at the tape after the post game and then what comes next for UCLA football this episode's brought to you by LinkedIn these days, every potential new hire feels like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college Kicking things off, we're going to talk bad news bears first, right? We're going bad news first. The UCLA offense, which just did not have its day. There's going to be a lot of calling for Chip Kelly's head in terms of the play calling, the missed opportunity. Missed guys on both sides of the football for Utah, whether it be offense, special teams, even defense. They were missing some guys. UCLA just had an opportunity, again, the big opportunity to go knock off Utah on the road. And right on the first play, when you throw a pick six, things go against the eight ball. You can go back and look and wonder, should UCLA do the stereotypical thing with a true freshman on the road and hand it off for a two-yard loss? and then force him in second and long. Chip Kelly felt, all right, probably more throwing the ball in first down won't result in a pick six. Unfortunately for UCLA and the whole squad, Utah read it well in the double slant, pick off, runs to a touchdown, three and out, and Utah's then all of a sudden driving for a two-score lead. Just one offensive possession into the game. Luckily for the Bruins, the defense held up, forced eventually got the missed field goal and then it was a defensive slugfest for the whole game. Some key factors to note, right? The Bruins turned it over a couple of times, lost the turnover battle. They also were 3 of 16 on third down, including sacks for lost yardage. The Bruins had 9 yards rushing. They had 67 yards rushing, if you don't include the sacks. Allowed 7 sacks. A lot of terrible numbers when you're trying to score points in a game that didn't require the offense to score more than 15 points to win this game on the road. Now Utah, to their credit, dominated the UCLA O-line, came to play, forced Moore into tough third and longs, big-time passing situations, and the Bruins just simply weren't up to the task, couldn't protect him, a couple of missed throws by Moore, a couple of missed opportunities by UCLA receivers, which truly could have changed the trajectory of a game, but does not erase the underlying issue here. It was, one, the lack of a pass protection and run blocking. Moore's, you know, inability to make some big plays. He did make some big plays, but also he looked like a youngster on the road in his first big true road game as a UCLA Bruin, which is no fault towards him. It's just that how does he pick this up over the next two weeks of watching tape heading into the Washington State game to start off the month of October? Let's look at some of the key plays that I – dialed in I circled as key moments UCLA offensively missed in this game in the first quarter the big play was the throw to Josiah Norwood where the Bruins would have tied the game it was on third down deep in Utah territory down seven nothing and unfortunately Norwood dropped a touchdown that was on third down that maybe would have fired up the Bruins more what who knows Utah would have changed their playbook a little bit into maybe throwing it a bit more with Johnson. The game changes if you catch that touchdown early in the game in the first quarter. That was a third down, one of the third downs they missed. The Bruins go for it on fourth down and don't get it on the next play. In the second quarter for UCLA, there was a deep throw, third and long again for UCLA, going to Kyle Ford up the right sideline where Ford broke past the DBs. More if he has a little more touch, maybe hits and connects Ford streaking down the sideline would have had a first down, maybe a little bit more. That was a key second quarter play in the the third down where Moore missed and overthrew a receiver, one of two big overthrows on the day when it came to a big passing situation. He had Ford break open, and they just couldn't connect. Another key third down involved the overthrow. Maybe it was the third down, but it was the overthrow of Logan Lawyer in the end zone right before third down, where then Dante Moore fumbled inside the Utah red zone, right? So it wasn't the third down throw, but it was the overthrow of Lawyer who was wide open for a touchdown, would have made it a one-score game in the third quarter. Next play, Moore goes in, fumbles in the red zone, taking away points. So those are two drives right there, where an overthrow slash a miscue costs UCLA at least 10 points, maybe, arguably 14 maximum-wise. So that that cost them the seven points to tie this game, cost them the 10 points to win this game, just on those couple of third-down conversions alone. A fumble, a drop, and an overthrow, and an overthrow on a second down, where UCLA could have easily been in this game a lot earlier than they were in the final four minutes of the fourth quarter, where they scored, go 91 yards, and then had the ball back with three minutes to go you parallel that to go to Utah's lone offensive drive that resulted in points. They go third and five. They had Johnson, Nate Johnson scrambling near midfield with just about three, four minutes ago. I think in the second quarter before halftime or two minutes, I forgot the timing of it. And Johnson scrambles around the edge, gets loose and gets a first down. If the Bruins stopped the Utes there, then maybe they only are down a score heading into the se- third quarter as opposed to down two scores and needing endless amounts of stops to keep the offense in it. But Johnson scrambled on the left side, rushing out of bounds for a first down. Then the big play action rollout for Johnson running right, turns into a touchdown pass to Landon King. That was on a third and five, third and seven from the UCLA seven-yard line, I believe, and turned into a touchdown. Well, if the Bruins hold the Utes to a field goal, it's a lot different as opposed to needing the two touchdowns versus a touchdown and a field goal would have maybe led to different chip Kelly decision-making despite knowing he needed to do two touchdowns in the second quarter. So some big third down swings one on Utah's own touchdown drive. They converted two third downs leading to a score UCLA the whole day only converted three of 16, 18% conversion rate the worst in the chip Kelly era since they went 1-for-10 in 2018 versus Fresno State. And that was early DTR. So you can see young DTR then, you see young Dante Moore now. And those were the key plays. Not that Utah wasn't utterly dominant or that UCLA wasn't in this game, but those are key pendulum-swinging moments one way to the other that the Bruins struggled in a game where they allowed seven sacks and Utah overall for, as a defense had 11 tackles for loss. That's the most tackles for loss that a UCLA offense has allowed against them since Oregon in 2021 when the Ducks had 11 tackles for loss. And even then the Bruins put up 31 points against the Oregon Ducks in that game. And it had a lead by multiple scores against the Ducks in what was the game day game at the Rose Bowl a few seasons ago. In terms of seven sacks, that's the most sacks allowed in In the Chip Kelly era, if you go back to 2019, it was six sacks allowed versus Cal. And then back in 2018, the Bruins allowed six sacks in a game versus Oklahoma and Stanford. Now, those were very bad UCLA teams in the early years of Chip Kelly. They allowed five sacks against ASU in 2020. But if you go back to last year, you can see the difference from 2022 to 2023 in the offensive line, right? You had Raquan O'Neal. You had all these guys who are now in the NFL, no longer with the Bruins. And UCLA has to replace them. And we thought they had good starters, some decent depth. That was a question mark coming into this game, coming into this season. Well, now you see it, right? The sacks and the rushing yardage, nine rushing yards for 0.3 yards per carry. Not three yards, 0.3. And even if they had, if you take out the sack rushing numbers, which they do in college football, that's only 67 positive rushing yards for the Bruins, that's still nowhere near what they've been doing and what they expect to do under Chip Kelly with the, the rushing numbers that they produce. Last year's team, their O-line, only allowed DTR to be maximum. He was only sacked for the most in the game three times. It happened a few times, three sacks. But before Dante Moore was sacked three times on the final drive, the Bruins or had Dante Moore sacked four times in this game. The Utes had sacked the freshman quarterback four times, and that was still more than all of last year's team. So if you take away that last drive alone, you can still see how the offensive line struggled. And then Utah dialed it in and said, hey, we smell blood in the water. We can see it. We're ready. Boom, they come in and lay the smack down. Moore had zero chance to go another 80, 90-plus yards just to try to tie this game if you give him zero time to throw. Not that he didn't make his... Best decisions all game long, but that doesn't help when you're given zero time to throw on what was then the biggest drive of the game or any of those drives, considering how close the game was. Again, what were some of the keys to the game? Let's bring this up if you're looking on YouTube. Keys to the game, run the ball, turnover-free football, win the line of scrimmage, right? Or I guess we'll use this one because it says Utah. Run the ball, turnover-free football, win the line of scrimmage. The Bruins, nine rushing yards. I said a minimum of 150 yards. The Bruins didn't do that. Turnover-free football, Moore fumbled it twice, only losing one of them, costing the Bruins possible points, threw a pick that led to Utah points. So between that, that's almost a 9, 10-point, 14-point swing based on turnover-free football, that the Bruins lost. You can't give up possessions. And while the defense did force a turnover, a couple of bouncing balls near the goal line or midfield, the Bruins couldn't pick up and turn it into a score of their own. Winning the line of scrimmage, the D-line did that more often than not, including the third and one stop. We'll get to the defense in a moment. It's just the offensive line could not consistently give more time. And when he did, he couldn't hit his receivers. A lot of the time having to spin out of a would-be sack, roll to his right, throw a deep ball down the field, to Carson Ryan for a huge fourth down conversion that kept the Bruins in the game, whatever it may be, I think the offense has to get a a minus D-grade for this game. I know Utah's defense was great. They're fantastic. But there's still no way that the Bruins... I'm not going to say they failed. They made some decent plays. There were some missed opportunities. They scored. Utah defense is good, but a D- minus seems fairly adequate, right? If this was to Carolina and the Bruins did this, this would be an F, an absolute F. This wasn't the worst performance, but it was absolutely borderline atrocious in some ways, right? The O-line struggled significantly. The receivers made a couple of drops. Moore looked a little skittish at times. Not that you want to place all the blame on everybody, but it was a whole collective effort from Kelly to – Passing, receiving, rushing, O-line, the whole offense collectively from a coaching unit to the players just were unable to answer the bell against a pretty amazing, solid Utah defense that's still missing guys. So credit to the Utes, but yet UCLA also didn't give themselves the best chance to win by missing some easy opportunities where there are plays in their fingertips and they couldn't make the plays to win the game. A D-minus effort in my mind for the UCLA offense who struggled on third down. All those third down misconversions compared to Utah's two that they got in one touchdown drive, and that won the game. That won the game for Utah in this 14-7 ugly defensive slugfest that took me a mile to walk off. Literally walked a mile to walk off after being on a camping retreat. Still watched the game in frustration after this one. Isn't that something? Now well, there were positives, so we're going to get into an upbeat mood in the next segment talking about the UCLA defense. I know it was Nate Johnson, who's a young freshman quarterback in his own right. It was not Cam rising, but there's still a lot of positives. A super day from Kane Madrano and the UCLA defense. These days, every potential new hire feels like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why you want to be a hundred percent certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. And you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Simple tools like screening questions helps make it easy to focus on the right candidates that you want to prioritize. First, interviewing, right? You want to make sure you don't waste your time interviewing candidates who aren't qualified or who don't fit the position. And then narrow it down even further to the right candidates you want to hire. Small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster with LinkedIn jobs. So post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege. That's LinkedIn.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, come on back to Locked On UCLA. Zach Edders and Yox, I'm with you guys. Let's take a look at what I thought the prediction of the final score was. Let's Let's roast myself one more time here. So this is what I thought the final score would be. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see the graphic. If not, then I'll tell you the final score. I thought this game would end up in a final of UCLA 24-21 with Rising. Well, your boy is wrong there. And I thought UCLA would win this game 24-14 when Rising did not play. So 24-21 if Rising did play. 24-14 if he did not. The only thing I got right in any of my predictions, my keys I felt were pretty accurate because that's what the Bruins struggled with the whole game. They missed every single key to the game and lost. They struck out basically in all three. When it came to the final score, and my prediction there, you look at the 14 points, it was actually fairly, fairly accurate. I didn't think Utah was maybe going to open up the playbook. They probably didn't. They they held on to the football quite a bit, won the time of possession as UCLA's given up time of possession every game because Chip Kelly likes to move the ball a bit quicker. And for the Utes, they emphasized time of possession, field position, and capitalizing on the one big offensive drive they got deep into UCLA's territory and scored a touchdown to go up two scores, even though they were shut out in the second half. So I didn't think Utah would do much offensively in this game, and they did not. To be fair, they were running with the lead from the first play from scrimmage, so it was protect the lead as opposed to needing to get the lead. None of that, in my mind, takes away from what the UCLA defense did with the first-year coordinator, defensive coordinator, Danton Lynn. The Bruins are coached up, ready, and watching back some of the highlights and going back again. The Bruins did give up some chunk plays. They did give up some third downs in some areas where I had forgotten. But every single time they were slightly about to bend, not only did they not break, they came back with a force and laid down the hammer. Just because Utah had their seven sacks and Jonah Ellis was spectacular in his own right. Five tackles for loss in three and a half sacks, Utah's defensive stalwart. The Bruins, four sacks and 11 tackles for loss in this game alone with a solid defensive effort. They were just as physical up front as Utah was. They just gave up one drive for a score and couldn't get the big defensive score they probably would have needed to let UCLA back in this game and maybe eke out a road win. UCLA's dominant player, you have Kane Madrano, 10 tackles, seven solo tackles, two and a half tackles for loss, two sacks, a forced fumble, and the Bruins had everything going defensively. Other than when Nate Johnson dropped the ball on the goal line, the Bruins couldn't recover it or get a safety. Not that they had a chance to. A near strip sack or a missed handoff near midfield. The Bruins were fighting for the football, could have had the ball in plus territory, couldn't get there. But every time Utah was getting deeper into UCLA territory, the Bruins held up on that first defensive possession. Utah missed the field goal. When Utah was about to go up maybe 17-0, they're deep in UCLA territory in their first possession of the second half. In the end, the Bruins sacked Johnson, a big Madrano play, and UCLA kicked him out of knocked him out of field goal position. They're on borderline field goal position, but they went from no to we're in the game. Coming down to their final defensive stop. UCLA goes down, finally scores, and the Bruins force a three and out. Even though, yes, you know Utah is going to run the ball, that was important because maybe in previous years, Utah would have run that down UCLA's throat. In separate times, the Bruins would have not not gotten that three and out despite knowing Utah was going to run the ball, especially on third and one, the Bruins got the stop. And maybe some gutsy coaches, some wild coaches would have gone for it, Obviously, deep in your own territory, it's very, very slim that any coach would have done that or faked it. Whittingham had an easy decision to punt it away with how good his defense was playing. That does not take away from UCLA's defensive effort. We can caveat say, yes, it was Johnson and everything. But still, the Bruins did not get manhandled up front. I know Utah's starting running back went out. They were without their backup running back, without their starting quarterback. Still, the Bruins did not get outmuscled defensively, which is key. Because Utah, for the most part, loves to be as physical and run the football, even if rising is in there, as much as anybody. So as impressive as it was for Utah's defense to shut down UCLA, it was nice to see the Bruins make sure they didn't allow Utah to go down and dominate. They did allow 100 rushing yards. I believe the most all season. Still, Utah only averaged 2.1 yards per carry. I know they maybe didn't have the same schemes. The Bruins didn't have to play as much for the pass. They only allowed just over 200 yards of offense. I get it. Who was playing quarterback. I know what was going on still to face 48 separate carries and only allow 2.1 yards per carry. The longest run of the day was 16 yards for Utah. So the Bruins didn't get gashed on the ground. So it's nice to see the physicality up front. The ability to make some plays on the outside parts. Davies making a big play. Almost a near pick on the wide side of the field by some of the UCLA DBs. So it was nice to see UCLA make some plays. It just they needed to make a stop on the third and five near their own goal line, and they did not. In my opinion, I believe the defense, I I have to give them an A effort. Maybe an A-minus effort even though, yes, they gave up the one-touchdown drive. But imagine being with your backs against the wall the whole time, knowing, all right, maybe we've got to play a good game. This will be low scoring. But knowing that before you step on the field, you're losing, through no fault of your own for the defensive side of things, they had to play solid football. They pitched a shutout in the second half again. They pitched a shutout in the fourth quarter against Coastal. They did a second-half shutout against San Diego State, against – NC Central, it's a completely different game. They finally give up a touchdown, fourth stringers in the game, in the fourth. And then against Utah, when they were trying to move the ball up the field, the Bruins showed, saying, hey, they could not get the ball past midfield consistently. And every time they got close, a shutdown stop on a third down, on a second down, bringing down Johnson when he was trying to run to the boundary on fourth down when they went for it near midfield in UCLA territory – They didn't allow Johnson, despite his uber-athleticism, to dominate like we've seen athletic quarterbacks like a Delora in previous years or a Caleb Williams like they'll face later this year run around them. I know Johnson doesn't have the passing ability like those guys I just mentioned, but still, we've seen athletic fast quarterbacks run around UCLA before in recent years and years previous. It was nice to not see that happen over and over again for the most part. I think an A-minus effort, Surely, because of the gutsiness from this UCLA defense to go back out there again and again and not get manhandled. They stood up toe for toe against Utah's physicality. And I know they're without their starting center or expected starting center from the beginning of the season. Still, Madrono had the game of his life. Moisau came in with the sack. The Bruins did what they needed to do. Latu had zero sacks last two games, but two tackles for loss. They made the plays for the most part that they needed. At some point, you've got to play complementary football. The offense has got to score at least 14 points to get this game into an overtime, and maybe you can get Johnson to throw a mistake interception. But when they're up 14 points, Utah just never had to throw the football. A-7 for the Bruins defense, which leads you to wonder, is UCLA in danger of losing Danton Lynn? I believe what Ben Bolsch wrote was a $500,000 buyout if he gets poached. He's the first million-dollar man in the defensive coordinator position for UCLA football and their program history in terms of the amount of payment going towards him this year. The Bruins look different. They look coached up. I like the defense. Now, what they're going to look like when they face Cam Ward in Washington State coming up. I'm not sure. There's no rumors that Lynn's going to leave. But when you see a UCLA defense that hasn't been good in a while, and then you see, oh, Danton Lynn's doing some work with this guy's pullovers from COVID, guys who are jumping up into new roles, youngsters, transfers, and he's doing a pretty solid job of it. Makes you wonder, hmm, what's it like? Although he does have his work cut out for him with Washington State coming up, Oregon State, even a semi-electric, I believe, Colorado offense coming deep down in the future. You still got to face, what, Jaden DeLore, who ran around them the previous year in USC. What are all these next steps for UCLA football that are coming up That'll be big challenges. We'll talk about that to wrap up Locked On UCLA. Now it's time for your Game Changer of the Week, brought to you by Athletic Bruin Company. Well, it was none other than Kane Madrano, who had arguably the game of his life in his college football career, definitely in his UCLA career, 10 tackles, 7 solo tackles, 2.5 tackles for loss, including 2 sacks, a forced fumble to keep the Bruins in the game, he was loud. One of the big tackles he made was on fourth down in the early part of the game where Johnson was rolling left. Seemed like he might evade the Madrano. instead. Madrano said, no, I got you Mike my grasp, and you're going down. He made big play after big play and led the UCLA defense in this game, and that was the big heart and soul moment for UCLA, even in this loss this week. But just like, Athletic Brewing has completely changed an alcoholic beer game. They make non alcoholic beers that actually taste good. Our Athletic Brewing Company has completely changed this non alcoholic beer game. The brews, great tasting and award winning, and they beat out full strength beers in global competition. They're fit for all time, so you can drink them anytime, anywhere, make any activity more enjoyable, no hangovers ever. You can find Athletic Brewing Company's non alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time comp- customers use the code LOCKEDON at checkout for 15% off your first order. That's LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusions, and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. Third and final segment of the Locked On UCLA podcast, grading out, looking at UCLA's offense and defense, to give the offense a D-minus, to give the uh, offense a D-minus, defense and a minus kind of backwards there. It seems like, and for special teams figuring out, I don't think the Bruins had a good special teams day. Not that they missed a field goal or ever in opportunities yet. I think they could have done better with the one or two kickoff returns that they got. I think they could have done a lot more of the punt return game. And when it came to a battle field position, they put will powers in some interesting positions to punt it. He did shank a punt. And considering Utah's punter dropped UCLA inside their own 20 at least six times, and the Bruins couldn't do that consistently to Utah, I'd like to say the special teams maybe gets a C-minus effort. Not that there are any mistakes, but this is a game where special teams could have won the game for UCLA, and it won the game for Utah. Even though they missed a field goal, were missing kickers as their punter who single-handedly kept pinning the Bruins back, pushing them back, And if UCLA could have ever gotten the ball, dare I say on the bad punt at the 35 or the 42, maybe things could have been differently. Even though UCLA had opportunities with solid field position before, I give the special teams a rough, rugged, emotional grade of C-. Even though nothing went wrong, but they needed more out of it as opposed to the safe play. Nothing went wrong, but this is a game where you needed a Kaz to break something out. You needed powers to maybe nail a couple of punts and get something inside the two and force Utah mistake. Not that Powers didn't do that on a couple of occasions, but he needed to maybe go toe-for-toe with Utah's punter, and he lost that battle. And for that, you just get a grade that's much lower than what it could be. The next step for UCLA, that's unique because it's bye week. We sit here with a lot of emotion, a lot of frustration, and these are the biggest three games this part of the season, Utah, Washington State, and Oregon State, that will define UCLA's season in 2023, all they do is they go have a bye week, return to the Rose Bowl, and take on the 16th ranked Washington State Cougars, who are coming off a win at home versus Oregon State 38-35. We're up at least three scores before Oregon State crept a little closer, maybe went for an onside kick. Cam Ward is throwing the ball all over, so we'll get an immediate look into how good and improved UCLA's defense is, specifically their secondary can the rush generate any sort of pressure against the Cougars, who threw it quite a bit with Ward and is absolutely outstanding and is almost sometimes a forgotten member of the Pac-12 elite quarterbacking club when you add in the Knicks' of the world, the Penix Juniors, the Williams. You've got to throw in Cam Ward into that mix. He's almost forgotten in the pack. I might have forgotten the name. Still in that list, right? Sanders, Shadir Sanders probably fits, but he had a quiet game against Oregon, so maybe he's knocked off, whatever it may be. Your next game is against a Washington State team that's probably much better than 16th that they're currently ranked. They beat Wisconsin at home. They beat Oregon State at home, so it's a little different for them to come on the road to the Rose Bowl. Could easily be one of those 12-30 games that is not packed and is hot. It could be one of those 7-30 games where it's cold and it's autumn and also not packed. Despite this being one of the games that can get the Bruins back on track in UCLA's keep portion of the season. Oh, and by the way, yes, you have to survive the Washington State challenge, and then in a few weeks' time, when it comes to the middle of October, you still got to go and take on an Oregon State team that's D- that's got DJ Oyungale as their starting quarterback. And even if he's not as elite right now as Cam Ward or playing his best football, they still can run the football, and they've got a pretty solid defense. Yes, they gave up 38 points on the road to Washington State's electric offense. But still, Oregon State's currently ranked 19th after dropping five spots for losing by three on the road in Pullman. So that's still a top-20 team. Even though Oregon State has to play Utah coming up, and they might not be ranked, or maybe they actually do what UCLA couldn't, and they beat the Utes. This is a team that's top 20, top 15 caliber in the country, may not show it and reflect it in their record or in their ranking, whether it be the coaches or the AP polls or whatever it may be in the middle of October. These are still two games the Bruins can use to get back on track. A 2-1 and one record in these three games, the Utah game, Wazoo, and Oregon State, is still a very good three-week st- stretch in this month-long three games and a bye in Pac-12 play. Those are three of the toughest teams you have to play in the Pac-12 with two of them on the road and one of them coming after a bye week. And Washington State also has a bye this week. So where do the Bruins? We're going to get a real good look immediately. If any UCLA fan, any Utah fan, any team in the country points to who has UCLA played, in terms of why their defensive numbers are so good, we're going to find out right away. You get Ward at home, and then you go play the Beavers on the road. And that's an immediate, immediate response to, all right, we're going to have some answers. Was Utah just that banged up and the defense looked spectacular? And with two weeks to prepare, rest, and recover for the Washington State game, we will find out how good UCLA is defensively, how good the coordinating coaching is from Dan Tilland and all the friends on the UCLA defensive staff, like Ken Norton Jr. and company. How can the Bruins refocus, prepare? And what does Dante Moore look like on the flip side? How do the Bruins fix the offensive line? Do they switch some guys on the depth chart? Is it a schematic thing? Does Chip Kelly have to completely change some things going forward offensively, knowing that certain pass rushes, just going to blow through the offensive line for UCLA in 2023, knowing that they just don't have the 2022 offensive line or 21, which was pretty physical and dominant up front running the football and ab- and had the ability to keep DTR upright more often than not. And most importantly, what's it like for more after you sustain your first frustrating loss? In the post game, he said all the right things, talking about this loss is losses on me. I know there's different things, but I'm not fully quoting him accurately and for verbatim, but the, the message was, this loss was on me. I've got to be better. Now, UCLA didn't use Colin Schley in this game, and they didn't go to Garbers. I don't think they were really going to go to Garbers. If you want more to truly learn, you have to have him play that whole game. I think UCLA could have used Colin Schley to kickstart the running game in a dual threat option in a RPO-like schematic for a Series or so I do think Chip Kelly should have done that for One series to maybe get a big play Out of Schley running the football Which they just weren't getting by turning And handing it off to the to the running Backs I think they could have done that With college Lee in this game and maybe changed the pace of this game Just a little bit where one big Play could have swung the momentum back to UCLA And given them the one Offensive score they needed to Potentially win this game Still, most importantly, it's the development and the learning and how quickly how quickly can Moore do that. Is Chip Kelly going to flip the switch and do something ridiculous in two weeks? I don't think that's what's going to happen. I'm not entirely of the mindset. At this moment, at the recording of this podcast, that we're going to all of a sudden see Garbers be starting. Maybe I've asked for Schley once per game. That's not the NC Central game. We'll see if that ever happens. But most importantly, the development, right? If this season doesn't end up 10 and 1, 10 and 2, 11 and 1, as most very optimistic Bruins would like to think it could be. The most important part of the season is one, how's the defense looked under Danton Lynn? We hope Danton Lynn's at UCLA for a long time. That's just probably not going to be the case. If he's as good and hyped up as the rest of his coaching colleagues talk about, he might be destined for bigger, or better things sooner than we realize if this UCLA defensive improvement continues for a season long campaign in 23 and how much can Dante Moore develop in year one by the time the end of the season comes heading into next year, the 2024 season when the Bruins are in the thick of things in the big 10. And then in his junior season, when UCLA in the initial big 10 schedule release had a much more favorable draw. I know those games will still get switched around with Oregon and Washington being added to the list but it's about the development of more and how much has the defense improved from one year to the next. There's still ways to get back on track. There's still a path to the call to the PAC 12 championship game. Now that's an extremely tough path. You've got Wazoo Oregon state. You've got to go to Arizona and you've got to play SC and you're, you're I'm forgetting the Colorado game at home, Arizona state hung around with USC at home for a long time there's still tough opportunities out there that UCLA might not know at this very moment. I'm not saying UCLA is going to run the table. I'm not quite frankly positive that that's going to happen based with what I saw Saturday against the Utes. I do think there's a reason for the season to get back in the swing of things and the next couple of opportunities, Wazoo Oregon state against the two pack, right? We'll know a lot more about this UCLA team in terms of maturity growth from the bye week heading into a top 15 matchup where Washington State's there, Oregon State will be there. Six of the 8 pac 12 teams, UCLA still has to play three more of them currently, or six of the former 8 pac 12 teams. There's six ranked currently. The Bruins still have to play three more of those teams in the rest of the schedule. I still have positive hopes. The sky's not falling, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you they're going to go win eight in a row, seven in a row, to end this season, whatever, you know, three and one, they're, they're not going to go win eight in a row to end the season going to the Pac-12 championship game. I just don't think that at this moment they have to prove it against Wazoo and Oregon state before we can even talk about eight, no, oh, eight, no, oh. get through the bye week improve, get better and move forward. And then we could start building about how this team has improved throughout this season. If you're an everydayer, we'll be talking about Chip Kelly, right? Is he mediocre? Why is UCLA stuck with him so long if the Bruins haven't had a coach that's been 500 or worse in his winning percentage this deep into his coaching tenure since the mid-1900s. I got that text and that graphic and that stat from a dear UCLA friend of mine. We'll talk about that in the next episode of Locked On UCLA, and also we'll get more in-depth into UCLA basketball. That's coming fairly soon. It's ticking closer to the one-month mark when UCLA Hoops starts. This has been Locked On UCLA. Zach Anderson, Yox, I'm with you guys. Get your hands up, Bruins fans. Eight clap time, baby. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. UCLA. UCLA fight, fight, fights. This has been Locked On UCLA. Go Bruins.